Well, church, today we are on the last in our series, Head, Shoulders, Knees, and Toes. Let's pray together and we will study the word. Gracious God, we thank you for this good opportunity. Help us to go and do something good with it. In your name we pray, amen. So have you ever thought about singing the Head, Shoulders, Knees, and Toes song a little bit differently? Like you could do, how about knees, toes, shoulders, head, right? Think, just start thinking it through. Or, or maybe you could just ditch those parts of the body and go with eyeball, pancreas, ankle, elbow. Doesn't, it doesn't quite seem to have that same, same ring to it. There's no flow to, to that combination of, of parts. And, and can you just imagine, just imagine trying to do the little, little dance with it. Instead of head, shoulders, knees, and toes, it's, it's shin, esophagus, neck, hip. Try that just mentally. I don't, I don't want to see it, but just mentally try that. Um, so, so as we are talking about engaging a full body faith, looking at how we, we use our whole body to engage our faith, we see that, that there is some kind of flow to this head, shoulders, knees, and toes business. Once we have Jesus in our heart, we start at the head. We start thinking about what our faith looks like, how we're going to practice that out in the world. And then we move to the shoulders and, and we commit ourselves to the work and ministry uh, of the church and God's mission in the world. And we do that to the best extent that we can with humility falling on our knees, which leaves us with the toes. And the toes are what's going to take us out into the world. The Bible itself is all about sending God's people out into the world. Very rarely do we ever encounter a command that says, look, just sit there and do nothing. Although, let's be honest, some of us have perfected the ability to just do that. But God gave us toes, gave us feet that they're connected to, and then sends us out to share the good news of the gospel. And where we are at this point in, in the life of the church in this series is that we're in ascending place ourselves. We've reached the sending out of the church because today is Pentecost Sunday. It's the day when we celebrate the pouring out of the Holy Spirit that constitutes God's church out in the world. The Holy Spirit is the promise of God to be with us until Jesus returns again. So at Pentecost, we remind ourselves of God's third phase of his plan to save the lost people. First phase of God's plan was Israel. God wanted a nation through whom to show his character and to call the people back to himself. After, if you remember back in Genesis, we all boldly decided that we didn't need God and probably could do better on our own. Then we got to the second phase of God's redemption plan. That's Jesus Christ. Jesus declared, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So we are lost, and Jesus is the way back home. By his death and the cross and the resurrection, we can be reunited with the Father because the sin that has separated us has now been paid for in whole by Jesus Christ. Today, today is the day that we celebrate phase three, the initiation of phase three of the search and rescue operation that God has to rescue and redeem his people. Phase three is the church. Now, 
I want to make sure, always, 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 that we're all speaking the same language for a minute. So when I say church, I am never, ever, ever talking about a building. Because you see, friends, the church has never been a building. Church is God's people praising God and going out into the world to bring Jesus into the neighborhood. So church happens outside, inside, uptown, downtown, by the sea, overseas, on a mountaintop, and in a coffee shop. Church happens on both sides of the tracks, the right side and the wrong side. Church happens in the hood and it happens in gated communities. But one thing that church is not is a building. And when God, when God went to make that transition from phase two to phase three, Jesus left us with one final set of instructions. Now, most of us assume that those final instructions are found at the end of the Gospel of Matthew. They're the ones that we're all familiar with, where Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all that I have commanded you. Easy instructions. Easy instructions. Go, make, baptize, teach. No problem. But it occurs to me that, that Jesus must not have made those directions very clear. Because if he had, we'd all be doing them. So Jesus decided that we needed a little follow-up conversation. And that's the theme verse for the whole book of Acts. It's Acts 1.8. This is the last time that Jesus is talking to his followers and they are pressing on him. They, they want a clear timeline as to when he's fully going to restore the kingdom to Israel when the kingdom of heaven is going to entirely replace the kingdom here on earth. They want to know. They, they want to be able to mark it on their calendars and, and have a plan. And Jesus says, that's not for us to know right now. But while we're waiting, I'm going to give you something else to do. Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And the reason, the reason it would have been to the ends of the earth, because at that time, at that time, the world seemed like a much smaller place than it is right now. We actually get two things here. In this statement from Jesus, we're going to get the Holy Spirit, and we're going to get a commission. The commission is that we are all, every one of us, to be witnesses. Witnesses to what? To the church? Nope, because the church didn't exist yet. We are witnesses to Jesus Christ, the one who saved us. But you know, that's not exactly how most of us go about doing it. We're told to be witnesses to Jesus, and instead most of us end up as witnesses to the church building. See if any of these discussions sound familiar to you. Have you been to the church over on Cortez? You know that, that big green church? You really should go because they have an amazing praise team and friendly people and the best coffee in town and convenient services and an okay preacher. That's, that's a witness right there. That's what that is. You're giving witness to something. It's not a witness to Jesus, but it is a witness. It's not a bad witness, but, but you got to understand there's not a building, a choir, a preacher, a cup of coffee on the planet that's going to save a life. Jesus is the only one that can do that. And the very last thing, the very last thing he asked us to do before he left was go and tell somebody about him. 
All right, so, so now we're all going to go tell somebody. Where? Where? Where are we going to find somebody who's going to need to hear about Jesus? Where on this earth could there possibly be somebody who needs to hear the good news of the gospel? Where could we find, find a living, breathing soul who has not yet heard that God loves them? that they matter, that they are forgiven. Where would we find this, this person? Well, Jesus seems to think, based on his instructions in Acts 1-8, that we could find this person right here in town. Like, right here. Jesus wants us to start right where we are, first in Jerusalem where he was speaking, and then to all of Judea, and then to Samaria. So for us, it's first in Bradenton, then to all of Florida, and then to the whole world. Jesus wants us to tell somebody about him, and that somebody could very well be sitting across the table from you at lunch after church today. But let's not forget the beginning of Acts 1.8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. This is a great word, especially for those of you out there who are like me, who in, in the very public situations are very shy people, particularly when you're around those that, that you don't know. Sometimes the whole idea of talking to somebody about Jesus is completely out of the question because it's so far outside of our comfort zone. I have been in ministry a long time, and, and I've never been able to just do one of those outright cold calls. You know what those are, where you go up to just some random person's door, you knock, 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 you ask, hey, do you know Jesus? If you died tonight, do you know where you're going to be? I can't do that. I can't do that. And here's the really good news. Jesus never asked us to. He never asked us to do that. The problem for me, though, is that when it comes to talking to strangers, even a simple hello can actually put me into a state of paralysis. Several of you have had conversations with me about, uh, about that because you think that's fascinating that a pastor could possibly be a shy person. But anyone who's ever been around me has gotten to hear stories of when I get on an airplane, I, I want to be one of the first people on an airplane. And the reason I want to do that is because I, I want to be at the window and I want enough time to make sure that I can get the magazine out and have it in front of my face so that anyone who's walking by knows right away this is a no conversation zone. We will, we will not be communicating with one another. It's really hard to tell somebody about Jesus when you won't talk to them. It's, I mean, it's, it is. It's just this is the truth. So if I'm going to tell somebody about Jesus, I'm going to need some power. Not my power. I need some power that comes from God, and that's the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God working in us, stirring our hearts, opening our eyes, presenting us with opportunities, helping us to come at the challenges in a joyful, not a fearful way. And the other thing I want you to notice here is about timing. Jesus was super clear about what we're supposed to do. Go tell the story. Go tell somebody about him. Go close to home and then go far away. But get out there and go tell the story. What he didn't say was on your first conversation with someone, you should pronounce their eternal salvation or damnation 
immediately at the conclusion of that initial conversation. That's not what Jesus said. What he said was, when the power of the Holy Spirit comes on you, when the power of the Holy Spirit comes on you, that's when you do it. Well, how will I know? How will I know when the power of the Holy Spirit comes on me? Well, that's the beauty of it. You won't know until it happens. But if you don't avail yourself to the opportunity, then you can pretty much guarantee that it's never going to happen. Acts 2, verse 2, speaks exactly to how the Spirit works. Without warning, there was a sound like a strong wind. Whenever I tell the story about airplanes, one of my friends says, and when the engine starts and you hear that sound, you don't see that as the Holy Spirit saying, move you, because that's what Scripture says, like a strong wind without warning. But if you don't open yourself to the opportunity, you shut the Spirit out entirely. Now, lots of folks assume that this evangelism business, and evangelism is simply telling the story, sharing the good news. A lot of people assume that the storytelling business should be left to the professionals, to me and, and Pastor Son. But verse 3 of Acts 2 says that the Holy Spirit spread through their ranks. So that's all of us. That's, that's everybody. And as a church professional, let me tell you a little secret. People seem to think that pastors have an easier time telling the story. Not true. Because people expect me to tell the story. They're looking for me to do it, and they get themselves on the defensive about it. I never really saw this in, in hardcore practice until Christmas time this year. I had gone to a, a Christmas party, and it was a party that was hosted by church members, but they were church members that had been friends of ours before with this Christmas party. So we get there, and, and I start looking around. What I've noticed over the years is that there's more and more church members at this Christmas party, so we're doing something right, which is good. And, and I start looking around, and um, Sung and I notice that there's this family that every time we go near them keeps moving away from us. Uh, they're not members of the church, but our kids have all been together since preschool. We've all been hanging out together since preschool, and I'm trying to figure out what, what have we done that, that these people are intentionally now moving away from us. And I come to discover that um, they have figured out that, that more and more people have been coming to our church, and they're afraid that if they spend any time with us, they will come too, and they love their church. So, so they, start, they start avoiding us. All of this is to say that oftentimes you, you are in a far better position to share the good news than your pastors are, mostly because it's not expected from you. It's not expected from you. Also because you get to be in places that I'm not going to be. So if we are dependent just on where I am going to be, then the good news is going to reach as far as 75th, possibly over to 14th Street and all the way out to Manatee Avenue. But beyond that, we are dependent on you. Now, I know that, that some of you are thinking, this is easier said than done. It really is. But remember, it's only going to happen by the power of the Holy Spirit who pushes us who keeps us on our toes to be paying attention 
to the opportunities that are before us. So this could happen to you. I don't know if any of you ever go to the doctors or spend any time in a doctor's office, but, um, but this could happen to you in the doctor's office. You're sitting there and, and you're in the waiting room. You have an opportunity to connect to another patient, to another caregiver. Uh, amazingly, you'll, you'd be shocked to find how many people need an encouraging word when they're in the doctor's office. That's a good time. That could be a Holy Spirit moment. It can happen on the side of the athletic field as you bake in the sun with a half dozen other parents. It could happen over ongoing weekly game of cards where relationships are formed and lives are shared. One of the most surprising things that you'll find about the work of the Holy Spirit is that it isn't about you. It isn't. It's not about you saying the exact right words or you having the ability to be super talkative. And it's not about your, your planning skills, your scheme, your your orchestration to get right just to the right scenario to just drop Jesus into somebody's life. That's, that's not your job. That's the power of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit. We just have to put ourselves into places where the Holy Spirit can go to work. And that's when we're going to see God's third phase of his plan to rescue the lost. That's when we're going to see the church 